Welcome to the Next Chapter Podcast. Whether you were going from high school to college, from college to the real world, from nine to five to entrepreneur, or literally anything in between, we are here to help you turn the page from dreams to reality. Welcome back to the Next Chapter Podcast, everybody, where we help turn the page from dreams to reality. Today, we're going to be back in Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. We're going to be looking at rule number 10, be precise in your speech. What does he mean by be precise in your speech? So when I first saw it, I really thought that it was going to be about lying, but then I was like, there's already a chapter about this. Yeah, we just you know? covered that in the yeah. previous one. So I was like interested to see like what being precise in your speech means, because it just came across as tell the truth, don't lie, but like okay it's not going to be about that that's going to be redundant this to me was very like you have to be specific with what you want whether it's a goal specific with what's bothering you specific about a relationship specific about success about failure all these different things being precise and what you say and what you think about is going to bring much more clarity to your life and he gave some great examples but that was my overall premise from this chapter of being precise in what you talk about what you think about and it'll get bring you better results yeah to me it was this whole book's basically about being true to yourself and this was kind of more in depth about first of all understanding yourself so getting in tune with you and understanding what you want and being able to articulate that to other people without any fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it is you do have to be more specific in whatever it is that you want. Like you said, Matt, in any aspect. Because if you're not, then you're left with ambiguous parts of your life that you don't really know how to define. And those ambiguous parts could lead to problems in the future, as he later describes in this chapter. Mm-hmm. If... If you have a problem in your life, it's much easier just to push it to the side. I know we've talked about this in multiple other chapters. When life gets hard, it's easier just to step away. It's easy in that sense to not point at the problem directly and be like, this is what's bothering me. This is how I need to fix it. If you can't define where the issue is coming from and you get away from that, like Ricky said, it just it's going to snowball and cause you more grief, more turmoil in the future. But if you just say, hey... You know, if you wake up one morning, you're like, I don't feel good. But if instead you say, I don't feel good because I'm dehydrated. Now, you know, you got to go drink water. But if you just go around being like, oh, I don't feel good. Like that could mean you're hungry. It could mean you're tired. It could mean you're sore. It could mean you have a broken bone. Like you don't know. You're not being specific enough. So being specific will cause you to address that problem right then and there. And then you can go on being more successful, be more fulfilled after addressing what's really going on. That's just a minor example, but it like bigger things in life. If you can just say precisely what's been happening and you can explain it to other people, maybe it's saying, I'm not okay right now. Here's exactly why people are going to respect that and you're be able to get some help. Yeah. And it leads to other ambiguous parts of your life when you're not specific. In the book, he talks about the story of a car. And basically when we're not paying attention and we're almost ungrateful for everything that's around us we become so accustomed to everything that we really lose appreciation for the intricacies of everything Mm -hmm. he talks about the story of the car he says a car as we perceive it is not a thing or an object it is instead something that takes us somewhere we want to go it's only when it stops taking us and going 
in fact that we perceive it much at all mm -hmm. so only when something becomes problematic in our life is when we choose to perceive it other than that when everything's working great our life is boring yeah it's we have no issues everything's just going along seemingly as it should whenever the world's not in pure chaos like right now we're not in a state of a global pandemic everything's normal but it's not until we have that pandemic that we're able to pre appreciate the normalcy that we have mm -hmm. right now. But he also goes along to talk about whenever stuff like that happens, our first response is physical, right? We don't really process information. We react how we would, let's just say like if we were in a fight, mm -hmm. we react how we would innately. It's just a response that happens People black out. People don't know what happens. So many emotions are flowing through their brain, um, flowing through their body that stuff just happens, right? And then the problem with that is when we go to examine it, we don't know how to explain it. Right. Like with problems in relationships, for example, when things occur and you break things down, you don't know how to explain what's happening. And it's kind of like you keep it surface level. And this is the danger where he talks about we go back to how we are living and we look at it as a whole and we don't break things down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the relationship's a good example because if you're not open about what's been causing the issue, like I know a lot of couples, it's easy just to be like, no, let's not fight. Let's move on from this. You know, mm -hmm. And then it keeps coming back. Like you have to address it at some point. And he says at one point in the chapter that most people that you have resentment for, they don't even know that they that you resent them in the first place. Mm -hmm. You have to be upfront and be like, hey, this makes me upset. I don't like when you do this or we need to work on this together, whatever that looks like. Because if you don't do that, nothing gets better. They don't know they have to change. They don't know you're upset. So it's in your best interest, especially in relationships, to put that out there and say, hey, we need to get better together. Um, you know, I reading that and thinking about it reminds me of a scene in the office when Jim and Pam were fighting and they were like, let's not talk about this. And Pam was like, no, like, I want to fight tonight. And it was like funny, like they giggled, like, why would you want to fight? But it was such a powerful like thing looking back because you can see like, you just got to rip the bandaid off, get over it, say how you're feeling. And then you could be so much happier after because you're both precise and like, here's what's not going right. Yeah. A lot of the times though, I think it's hard for people to deal with that uncomfort because we're so accustomed to living in a comfortable state where whenever any sort of thing that's out of the ordinary that is usually functioning isn't functioning as it should anymore that's when our perceptions the limitations of our perceptions manifest themselves because our reality breaks down mm -hmm. and a lot of the times we just don't want to deal with that and i know for me it's like i'll go get mcdonald's right now and my stomach's going to hurt so bad after I get McDonald's. Then I'm like, oh, my stomach hurts so bad. I miss. And I'm so grateful when my stomach didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. We always have that hindsight of, okay, I want to go back to the normalcy whenever things ran as normal. And you realize kind of how ungrateful you were for that. But it isn't until you realize the problem that you have now in the future that you're grateful for the past. How do you think worry plays a role in that because your example you know you're not going to feel well mm -hmm. if you eat mcdonald's but the whole time you're driving there and eating it probably in the back of your mind you're like i'm not going to feel good i'm not going to feel good so it might promote that you're not feeling well might even escalate if you're like hey i have a minor stomach ache but you're like i shouldn't be feeling well like you over exaggerate be like oh i really got to go lay in bed you talk about the pandemic 
most people like life's going great. They watch the news one day. There's millions of people dying. Now, if they get a cough, they're like, holy shit, I'm going to die. Like I got to lock down the mm-hmm. house and like over exaggerate. It might just be a common cold. It might not be COVID or whatever you're dealing with. I think worry might accelerate a lot of things because we always assume the worst case scenario. Like today we mm-hmm. talked about it, got a text message. I assume the worst thing possible, get on the phone. It really wasn't that bad, yeah. but it, it caused me to worry and see like where this could go wrong. And I picked up the phone like in a worried state because I was just assuming the worst. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't really know, to be honest, what question you're asking, but the way I think worry plays into it is we're so worried in the present moment that I think it's very hard for us to see what's going to happen in the future. Eric, you talked about it the other day of what type of karma was it? Karmic debt. Karmic debt, about karmic debt. And I actually heard something about it later that day, and I'd never heard that term before. When you have something that's taking up mental capacity and it's causing you a state of worry, say like you're fighting or you're going, you're angry and you can have some choice words for your, for your spouse or whatever, and you know it's not the right action. Like I know me eating McDonald's isn't the right action, but I know the outcome is going to be maybe I'm going to be more fulfilled. Maybe it won't be like last time. I think it's so hard for us to perceive into the future how we're going to feel so we only live in the moment and base our choice on what's right now. I mean, I kind of just think that what we're talking about, how you said um, the fact that we, we worry, maybe it's because we don't know how to handle with handle the things that we're dealt with. You know, we're so used to looking at the computer for something that I can use when I need a search on Google, not for something that actually has like processors and all this stuff in it mm-hmm. until it doesn't work. Right. So maybe like your computer the other day. Exactly. So like maybe that worry comes from the fact that we don't know. We, we know we have to handle a situation, but we don't know the correct way to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think worry, worry does play a big part. And what we're talking about, because some people will just try to avoid the feeling of being worried mm-hmm. at all time. That's why people will refuse to admit that they have a problem. Like for alcoholics, they always say the first step is to admit that you're an alcoholic. Yeah. And a lot of people refuse to specify any sort of problem because then they have to actually realize a problem exists. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever have to deal with that problem if you don't recognize its existence in the first place. Yeah, that's what a lot of people struggle with, like looking back in the past or the lack thereof, because mm-hmm. they'll have an issue that still stays with them today, whether it's personal, family, health, whatever related. And they fail to look back and be like, this is, this is the reason I am who I am today. Like, this is what's holding me back. This is what stresses me out every single day they're not looking at that and being precise and be like i need to address this i need to fix it um you know like if you are always tethered to that leash you're only going to go so far Mm -hmm. but sometimes you just got to go back unhook yourself and keep moving forward and just address like hey i'm hooked up i gotta go i gotta run away from this it's a tough place to go back there but if you're precise about here's what's making me stressed or whatever it's much easier to then move on and see how it's been holding you back Yeah, it's kind of interesting because the more we're talking about this, the more I kind of get a more comprehensive understanding of the actual chapter. To me, what being precise with your speech is, 
It's not living in life every day. It's if something does happen um, or when something does happen, look at maybe your everyday life as you would in that example. So in the car situation um, or even in everyday conversations, break it down Mm -hmm. because in those situations, you know how to break things down. And that way you can better be precise by communicating what you need to get done. Mm. Because while in those situations, worry happens, panic happens, you act out of however your reactions do, you also figure out a way of how to navigate it. And you know a problem to solve or a problem that you, you know a problem needs solved and you'll figure out a way how to do it. So in everyday conversations figure out what you need to solve and take action to get it solved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think honestly, what this is about is looking at life from a more objective point of view. Don't be subjective in how you're viewing your life because you do. I mean, we, we view life subjectively all the time. That's why we have opinions and we only have one perspective. We don't have a, a collective perspective that is the right one. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're if you're almost an outsider looking in on your life, and I think this also goes to the fact of don't assume things. Just like you said on your call earlier, Matt, you assume the worst, mm-hmm. and it led to worry. Yeah. I think the stage will go assumption to worry, which creates more problems that aren't necessarily even problems in the first place. Like we thought of a whole solution to a theoretical problem that never even arose right. because our minds were racing and going in different directions of some sort of subjective view that wasn't our objective reality. Mm-hmm. In the book, he also talks about your problems becoming bigger and your worries becoming scarier than what you could think because of your past and how you perceive your reality. He says with an analogy talking about a squirrel in the woods whenever you're alone, something is out there in the woods. You know that with certainty, but often it's only a squirrel. If you refuse to look, however, then it's a dragon. And if you're no knight, you're a mouse and confronting a lion. And a lot of the times we always assume the worst of what's going to happen, whether it's in a relationship or an argument that could happen whether it's a problem that, like Eric, happened to your computer the other day, whether it's your car breaking down, you always assume the worst that could happen. Sometimes it's a squirrel, but you make it out to be a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also just like if there's a inconvenience there for you, if you don't address it and see what it is face on, you're, you're just being ignorant to the problem that underlies it. Like mm-hmm. if your car breaks down, why is that an issue to you? You have to be somewhere important. Do, do people rely on you? Do you have to go get groceries? What is that underlying problem? Um, you saying that reminds me of like PTSD in the military because a lot of people, they go into combat, they come back and they hear loud noises and they just like always run away from them because it triggers them. But if you can never sit down, I, you know, I can't say what's right and what's wrong because I've never been in that situation. I can't imagine it. But if you can't sit down and say, Hey, someone, using their drill or their hammer triggers me because I hear gunshots and grenades, then it's going to bother you all the time. You're always going to think that there's a war going on behind you when it's just your neighbor working on a fence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And literally like what you said, Ricky, about the squirrel and the dragon, it relates exactly like to couples relationships. If 
you keep ignoring that problem if you keep thinking oh man there's a dragon behind me but i'm too scared to go check it's the same thing where you're just going to become more and more fearful yeah if you let something that happened in the past whether it be a problem with your spouse or your partner that you just hide under the rug it's going to keep building up and essentially snowballing like what you said Mm -hmm. um i think it's super interesting too talking about the subjective versus objective reality because he also talks about it as um matt you will look at a hammer and you can think oh i could go build something in my backyard i'll look at a hammer and i'll be like i can hit something (laughs) it's totally based on how you perceive it exactly like the relationship and the problem um i would rather choose to resent this person because of stuff that will go left that that will be left unsaid because I don't want to bring it up and to me this is like I, I'm perceiving this as something that doesn't need to be solved because it'll be better later on mm-hmm. rather than objectively looking at it as I need to fix the parts of what's happening right now so I think it goes back to when you look objectively you can see something needs fixed you can be in a better reality where you 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 can determine that you're in a better position to fix things yeah yeah i feel like that can be like very unhealthy in relationships if you don't address the problem because i think in like a different viewpoint how does your spouse look at you if you hold on to that you know like i'll give you an example we'll get a little homosexual here let's say you and i are in a relationship (laughs) let's say you're upset with me because I leave my dishes in the sink and you don't say anything for days because you think I'm just going to get pissed off and rage at you for bringing it up. And that's your dragon. You think I'm going to get upset. And then finally one day you're like, Hey, you got to stop doing that. And I'm like, seriously, that's what's been been bothering you. Like, I don't care. I would have done it if you said it five days ago. Now I look at you differently. (laughs) Like what else are you holding back? Like, can I trust you? Like all this stuff. Like, I feel like that just, there's even more buildup because not only are you worrying, the other person is now like, the fuck why didn't you say anything like two weeks ago yo that's been happened before (laughs) 100 percent. it definitely has happened but this this all goes back to in the book he makes the analogy of a dragon in a house i don't know if it's this chapter or a different chapter but he says that a dragon represents a problem Mm -hmm. there's a baby dragon in a house okay it was it this chapter yeah there's the baby dragon in the house and it represents the problems and all the anger and hate in the house he asks his mom like Hey, mom, do you see this dragon? No, I don't see it. She's ignoring the problem. The dragon feeds off that anger. It gets bigger and bigger until eventually one day it walks away with the house because it got so big. It's bursting out the windows. It's bursting out the doors. And now it just walked away with the house. Hey, mom, do you see the dragon now? Do you believe me? No. And she still continues to ignore it. I think a lot of the times, I think it relates really well to relationships. Mm. You just let that that problem build and build and build until it's so big that just the smallest infraction will cause an entire explosion when that problem has been brewing from the beginning. Yeah. And at the end, the boy says he just wanted to be seen. Exactly. He just wants to be addressed. Yep, exactly. All the dragon did was want to be seen, Mm -hmm. but no one ever ever acknowledged his presence. And that's exactly what a problem is. Yep. I think this is so important just in communication then because that's, that's really all it relates to. It's mm-hmm. you, you can't expect someone else to know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Know you, how you're feeling. Know how you're feeling. You have to 
be verbally expressive. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes two ways because the other person would appreciate knowing how you're thinking instead of closing off. Mm -hmm. I agree. I have one quote that really stuck out to me. Um, You guys probably picked up on it as well. Um, It says, because while you're failing to define success and thereby rendering it impossible, I'll stop there. If you can't define success, he says, it's impossible. So think about that. Like if someone, an athlete, wants to win a Super Bowl, if you can't define what success is winning the Super Bowl, like you're never going to get there. Like it, there's, there's no goal, there's no outcome. So because while you're failing to define success and thereby rendering it impossible, you're also refusing to define failure to yourself so that if and when you fail, you won't notice and it won't hurt. So okay. failure is the opposite of success, obviously. But if you don't show what the good is in life, what you want, you're also not showing what the bad is. And when you achieve that, or when you experience that bad, you never know. You never know that it's bad. You never know it's the complete opposite of where you want to be. You never learn. You never grow because that's just life to you. Yeah. With poor, with, with poor communication, you're left on a path that's uncertain. And when you read that quote, it reminded me of a talk that you gave to a high school football team about their goals. Mm-hmm. So Matt does some motivational speaking because he's just a bouse. Anyways, he gave this talk to a high school football team. And I remember in that speech, you said, who wants to be the number one quarterback? And the quarterback raised his hand. What does that mean? And you're like, to be the number one quarterback, you don't even know what that means. There's X amount, thousands of football programs out there. You're competing for a stat that you don't even know is really, it's arbitrarily measured because Mm -hmm. there's no metrics behind being a number one quarterback. Are you going to run the most yards? Are you going to throw the most yards, most completed passes, most touchdowns? What is it that you want? And you put a goal in their mind for them to achieve. And when you don't have that specific definition of your success in any facet, it's going to be so hard for you to achieve because you don't know where you're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if you are not the number one, you suck. You're at the bottom of the barrel. If you don't define the success and the failure, you don't don't know. Mm -hmm. You just be like, oh, just another year from me, mm-hmm. and then you never make any progress. Mm-hmm. Be objective in what you define as success. Be objective in how you speak to people, and be objective in being able to look internally and know deep down what you want and what's best for you and how to solve problems when they arise. Yeah, and just in general, be pre- be precise in emotions feelings speech especially especially when talking to others because communication is the key to everything Mm -hmm. and if you have good communication or great communication it'll make your life that much greater thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the next chapter podcast we'll catch you on the next one expect uploads every tuesday and thursday all right we're out peace